to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with the nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show. Hotha, like Hother. saying like the cat or the dog, it, it's, it's that sort of sound. Ho, wait, what? The so say like, it's like, yeah. Hother? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You got it. Perfect. People butcher it all the time, so I, I'm, I'm really not worried. <laughs> now I feel like I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to be here like, ready, go. Like, you. All right. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. Today, I am getting to know Matt Hother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And the name was great. You got it. So you're doing fine. I'm, but yeah. How are you doing? No pressure there. I, I, I felt the pressure. I was like, we, we went over it. I repeated it a couple of times. Got it. Good. Whew. I'm good. I'm good. Especially now that I got your last name done. I mean, it looks like it's one of those last names where you see it and you're like, I think I know how to pronounce it. But like, am I oversimplifying it? Yeah, you know? yeah, it's and people sort of either say it right and spell it wrong, or spell it wrong and say it, it or whatever it is. I, I'm getting my own name confused now, but yeah, it's, it's always <laughs> always mixed up. You, you, you see the letters; it should be fine, but people always seem to m- make a little bit of a hash of it. They're always like Matata, <laughs> Oh, oh, you mean your last name? Right, right, right. No, no, no. Of course, you dabble in design, right? You're designing quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, I mean, I've played board games for a lot longer than I, I've been designing them. But yeah, I decided sort of last year, sort of the back end of COVID, that I really wanted to design a, a board game. Wanted to do it for a long time, but actually put some time aside to, to actively do it. Uh, sort of got into the design scene. There's quite a lot around London uh, where I am, and it's there's a lot of very nice people and nice designers to to work with and collaborate with. And it, yeah, it's been good. It's been, it's been a really sort of nice journey over the last year or so. That's awesome. We'll dive into that in just a minute. But first, how'd you get into board games? I think growing up, I was more of a, a video game kid than, than a, a board game kid. My dad actually got my younger brother for his, for his christening uh, to sort of set the scene. He got my, my younger brother a Nintendo 64, uh, which obviously my brother couldn't do anything with. But my dad had a great time and I sort of grew up with, uh, with that uh, N64 and sort of got into video games that way. And I've always been like competitive. I was a very competitive kid. I've mellowed out a little bit now I'm, now I'm a bit older. But so that always got myself into sort of the larger like party games and sort of drinking game culture. And I, I played sort of, you know, Monopoly and Risk and Scrabble and stuff. But it was only really after I left university that I sort of got into board game sort of hobby particularly, um, mainly through uh, Geek and Sundry's tabletop. My friend was was watching something else on the channel, and he was like, "Oh, hey, there's a there's a game channel. You should you should watch it." And basically, watched the three seasons back to back, and bought half the games, and got addicted really quickly. <laughs> That's like so many of us, right? Because it was it was like Will Wheaton, and then the Geek and Sundry with the like Becca Scott, and oh my goodness, like it just takes off. Those shows yeah. like 
make you want to buy every one because they always make it look so fun. And they are. Most of them are. Like, so personable. Like, they explain the games really well. And they sell it really well as they're playing. So they're just all having a really good time. So why wouldn't you want that experience? Yeah, exactly. I I still miss Will Wheaton's tabletop. Did you ever go watch that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. like, yeah. All, all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm in total shock that nobody else is doing anything like that. That I've seen, at least. Yeah, I've seen a few and a few sort of playthroughs or watch it played or learn to play type videos, but none really in the same style. Or, yeah. or I've just really captured the same style in, in the same way. And I, I, I do miss it. I, I wish it came back, even with sort of adjacent people and sort of mix up, but in a similar style. I, I think it could still work really well. Right? Like, if I wasn't so lazy and so uncamera friendly, <laughs> I would love to do it. Uh, or to get like a group together and just do You could even do it online now, right? Like, we could do it like this, playing yeah. something online and having a cool setup. And yeah, it would yeah. it would totally work. Someone get on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just about to say, if anyone's in London and wants to set it up, you know what, I'll, I'll come over, I'll come play some games. But yeah, I think actually online you could do it just as well. I mean, people are Twitch streaming games all the time now, so you could definitely yeah. um, get onto that. I wonder if that's sort of what, why people aren't doing that, because that is a lot of it. Like, I've talked to several content creators who used to go and record their videos and edit them. And now they do, they've switched over to live, which is so smart because editing it, like I do, I've been doing less and less editing. So people will hear more uhs, ums, pauses, you know. Like, you should watch what I say now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I take out big stuff, of course, but I like, it's just so much work, time and effort that going live is so appealing. So I, I wonder if, nobody necessarily wants to put that like effort into almost because that's a full production right like you have to film the the they they would play through multiple times uh finally film it and then they would do the talking heads go back and do the talking heads and do the recap like it's a it's a big to do but yeah <sighs> like i at the moment i'm recording like a like a four or five minute video of the game i'm designing and oh my god even like that ordeal of like a four minute video clip is just so much work that I couldn't imagine having to edit something that is 45 minutes to an hour long. Right. Yeah. It Like, it's, it's crazy. So much work. Anyways, uh, well, going back to you, uh, that was a, already off on a side tangent because <laughs> I just think about that all the time. But what got you, what transitioned you to the design aspect? I've always liked to uh, design, like, party games. And so I wrote lots of, like, murder mystery parties and... I think that sort of comes originally from, from university. So the university I went to had a big drinking game culture. So at the start of the night, you'd all go to the, the club at like seven in the evening and play drinking games for four hours. And then you'd sort of get drunk and then the, the club would start. And it's really weird that that only seems to happen in that little sort of ecosystem. But it really got me into sort of designing games and thinking of creative ways to make games for, for lots of, of large groups. So I always sort of enjoyed that and got into that sort of afterwards. I just really like, I'm sort of from quite a mathematical background. I love like the logic and the rule sets and trying to sort of come up with all, all of that space. But um, what I actually tipped it over into designing a game is that my husband sort of, he likes games 
a bit. He said he likes games a normal person amount. I say he doesn't quite like games uh, quite enough. Um, <laughs> and so when I was designing one, I was like, oh, I'll design a game around stuff that you like and a theme that you like, and then hopefully that can get you in and start playing more games. So a, li- a little bit of both from my background in sort of a practical aspect, but I just need to sit down and dedicate some time to it. That's awesome. What, uh, what kind of games does he like? Or what are you designing that he would like? That's maybe a two-part question there. Yeah, yeah. So he likes sort of the lighter mid-range games, which I also really enjoy. So he loves playing like Everdell or Quacks or Photosynthesis or Sagrada or a lot of these sort of puzzly games you can play and get through in sort of 45 minutes or so. But always relatively gentle. He's not a big fan of like huge conflict or sort of war-type games. And so I sort of tried to go with that. And he also does a lot of, you know, sort of self-improvement and yoga and Pilates. And he's all very, very much in that realm that I'm terrible at. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do a design sort of around that. And so I decided to do it around the concept of feng shui and trying to bring all the elements of feng shui into a board game. Because there's so many sort of rules and combinations of things that I thought were actually really interesting design and game challenges because everything sort of interacts with each other in different ways so that was the the turning point in trying to sort of merge merge the two that's really cool what kind of games are you into then i also so my favorite game of all time is sagrada i love the dice i love the puzzles i love just trying to get everything to fit i love that it starts really friendly and gets really tight but yeah, I also am getting a huge growing like for uh, The King is Dead um, from, from Osprey. The fact that it's sort of like a war game and a puzzle simultaneously and the thoughts and decisions behind, do I go for the color, but then I can't get as much influence. I just love that sort of very tight, like thinking and being able to sort of enact a strategy and feel like I've really accomplished something by by the end of the game. I haven't tried The King is Dead and I hear great things about it, so... Yeah, um, or yeah. have to. Yeah, I, I hadn't really sort of thought much of it because like it looks nice, but it's sort of dudes on a map. And I realize it's set in Britain, so it's probably quite quite British centric as well. But it's it's just a it's a very clever puzzle where you're not just you, you don't start with a faction and then try and take over the world as that faction. It's you try and decide what faction you most want to be as you go along. So a little bit like some of the, the, the PAX games as well, if if you sort of play any of those but that just thing where you don't actually have a player at the beginning of the game i think is like a really interesting concept yeah that is cool like it you grow into it right like or you build into it yeah 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 exactly and you can like switch if you're like actually this isn't working for me i'm gonna go and be the scottish um, oh, okay you, you can go and switch around and try and figure out how to to make that work for you nice that's really cool that sounds fascinating i I'm going to own up right here. Very legitimately was thinking of the King's Dilemma. Oh, yes. Uh, which I don't, I've heard great things about too. So, uh, but I just, for a second, I was like, this is very different. And then all of a sudden it clicked like, oh yeah, yeah. King's Dilemma is the one I was thinking of, but both I haven't played. So both apply. Yeah. Oh, and both true. I, I've wanted to play King's Dilemma for ages and ages, pretty much since I heard of it. But to get a group of people, probably around five, because I've heard that that's where it's, shines at and get them to play regularly is was just so difficult that i've not not ever been around to uh, around to play it but hopefully soon we're, we've almost got a group to play nice that's exciting so tell me about the game you're working or games you're working on is there a certain one that is uh the rising star right now 
Yeah, so I sort of mess around with a few, but the one that I'm predominantly working on at the moment is is feng shui. So perhaps sort of by the sound of its name, it started uh, you're putting furniture in a in a house. So it's like a a polyomino style game, or sort of like Tetris piece style game. If um, I, I didn't realize until I started making it how few people know the term polyomino. So I'm like, oh, it's it's all this, and people are like, I've no idea, I've no idea what, what this is. So uh, like a tile laying game, and you're placing furniture in your house to to try and meet the the rules of feng shui. And realized very quickly that that was very complicated because when I started <laughs> it, I wanted this like Sims builder and you had little walls that you were building and you were decorating it. And then, oh my God, so many rules like can furniture block doors? What happens with windows? And yeah, way, way too much. So it's been scaled back into sort of like a garden, like development games. So you're placing some trees in your garden. In feng shui, there's five elements. So like metal and water and wood and fire and earth. And each of those elements has a color and a shape associated to it. So like earth is square shapes and the color yellow. So if you bring a square tree into your garden, you're boosting the earth element. And if you bring a, a yellow tree into the garden, it boosts the earth element. And the whole point is you want to bring these things in, but keep all those elements in balance. So you trying to, to boost all the energies up, but not let the sort of balance get too much out of whack and try and monitor it so it's um uh, like a tile placement game but you're not just trying to fill the space you're trying to fill it with the right types of stuff so it's a, a little bit different like that that sounds really fascinating i, I like that the, the balance of it and sounds tricky it sounds like a good clever puzzle how how's the play tests of it been and yeah it, it's, it's been going really well actually um so i think i've been developing it since about april and yeah, it's gone through lots of, of iterations. It, I think, so did the, the standard designer journey where it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you realize that it's so bloated that you basically have to strip everything back from it. The hardest bit. So when I started the game, it was a very, oh, let's just get into it and see how it's going. And then I realized halfway through that it was very impractical to make because the game originally came with these little uh, cubes. So on each cube was like a different like shape that was on the face and you arrange the cubes together to make the the tree that you were you were making so the actual sort of tetris tiles weren't shaped at the beginning you like made your own shapes with the pieces and that's how how you put it together which worked really nicely but uh i realized and a lot of other people realized like you're never going to be able to publish this game there's like 250 wooden cubes in it so then i was getting a little bit stressed but i managed to dial it back down and you have these sort of chits and that they're I was very nervous when I had to switch over into into chits to see whether it'd be really uh, unwieldy, but it, it plays really well. It, it's playing quite nice. So I'm um I'm actually about to edit uh, enter it into the the cardboard Edison award at the moment. I'm not sure if you you, you know about that. Yeah, but that's been a, a nice experience to sort of wrap it all together and also give myself a deadline to do a bunch of stuff that. I was putting off like finalizing the rule book and making a video overview and stuff that I was like, oh, I'll get round to it. And now I'm like, oh no, you have to do it because of the deadline. And that, that's been really good to sort of kick me into actually finishing it off. Yeah, I hear I've never entered a competition, a contest, at, but I hear that's like what designers need to do to push themselves because that's my thing, right? Like I'm always like, oh yeah, it's fine. I'll get to it. I'll I'll change it. Like, yeah, but and it never happens. The, yeah. Only thing I've done is like an event, right? An online event. Uh, I, and so that pushed me to get my prototype online and, and up and running. 
at least functional at, uh, to where I could play test a couple things, but competitions or contests are where it's at. And this for your, uh, you know, like um, next, this will come out next week. So the episode that comes out tomorrow, it'll be Rod, Rob Kramer. And he, he would, he talked about the cardboard that has been Edison award too. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I think twice uh, in a row. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a hot topic at the moment, isn't it? I think because the deadlines are the end of the month, so everyone's sort of rallying up to get all uh, all their entries in. Yeah, um, exactly. Which, which which is really good. So yeah, not uh, not tempted with, with your own designs. You can put something together. Yeah, you got this. That's exciting though. I because they oh does cardboard Edison do? I can't remember how they do on feedback. Yeah, so so that's one of the main reasons why I'm doing it. So everyone gets feedback regardless of how far you get in the process. Okay. So I think if you are knocked out in the first stages, it's mainly pitch feedback. Um, and then later on, you'll get more sort of uh, playtest feedback if you make it through to the finals, because that's when you actually send them a physical copy of the game. But ultimately, I want to start um, sending this to publishers. And so pitch feedback is like perfect. So either it goes well and I get through and the pitches is, is good or they'll give me some good feedback that I'll then be able to take on board before I start taking it to, to publishers and, and them. So for me, it's sort of a win-win whatever happens. Oh, I'm glad you answered that because I was going to ask what your plan was to pitch it, pitch it around. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's quite a few and a few in the, the play test groups that I'm in are all, all self-publishers and they do all, all their Kickstarters and I love to be able to do it, but I just don't know if I have the business acumen or sort of, I don't know, mental capacity to, to get through Kickstarter myself. So I'm going to definitely try a publisher route. And then, and then if, if it doesn't get picked up, which hopefully it will, uh, I'll then reconsider my uh, sort of proposals. But for now, uh, I'd quite like a, a publisher to take it forward if I could. That's awesome. Your, d- the design group there, is that like, a, would there be like Scott, Minerva and Bez and Pearl yeah. and... That... That's it. So okay. that's exactly. It. I was going to say you're, you're completely uh, ahead of me of all of this. So um, <laughs> there's uh, so Playtest UK is sort of like the umbrella group for all the the game designers in the UK, and then each um, area is sort of ran by by their own uh, people. So so Bez she runs sort of the central uh, London group on sort of weekdays. So so she she runs Friday um, weekday uh, slots. And Scott uh, and Minerva Games runs the the ones in sort of South London on Tuesdays, which are the ones that, that I go to. And I sort of met uh, Pearl at a different event um, that was sort of actually outside of the playtest, but sort of also in London. Because I'm in like Southeast London, so I can basically pick and choose. I, I'm quite fortunate that I can get around London quite easily. But uh, Scott and the, the South London playtest uh, people are where I've, where I've made my home. I've got a lot of... Um, a lot of time and they're all really really nice really really good group of people scott's done a, an excellent job of sort of building a, a community of designers there oh that's awesome to hear i i'm always curious you know we've we've got our guild here and we've got a couple of different locations i think three i think we're i think after the pandemic we went down to three and those numbers were dwindling as we were coming back but now they're starting to rise back up and we're getting num- good numbers again and but like each one is you know we're all part of the same guild that same umbrella yeah. but each one's run just a little bit different uh, yeah depending on who runs it right like i run it differently than the person that will run it on the opposite week of me and whatnot so it's just fascinating yeah, uh, yeah definitely how Sorry. what are the numbers like there like is it out of so curiosity? I- 
so actually it's grown a ton since I started. So, so uh, when I started going to sort of March, April time, uh, we have them weekly and we get sort of eight or nine people coming, coming a week and they, they sort of rotate. Um, but that would be sort of your, your average numbers. And now I think this week was a quiet week and I think there was 14 of us. So we're, we're getting up into the high teens now. So sort of the like 18 to, to 20 people we've had to like extend we started booking we had a regular booking for one table a week and then we soon just ended up completely uh going over the top so now we've got like a little area which, which is really nice it, it's, it's really cute and it's good that everyone sort of comes and most people that bring games usually get to test them on the evening that they bring them and so we end up sort of having like a fortnightly cycle where you sort of test your game one week and not test it the other and sort of help out everyone else and everyone's very good at sort of giving as much time as they got and there's a nice there's no official rotor everyone's just very happy like helping out everybody yeah yeah that's really cool we do like a point system and so when you come and you don't play test a game you get like a priority point and then later it's like you know if we don't have that many people coming that that's very impressive like if we get enough to do two groups two games at one time i think that's like an accomplishment at least at my meetings, uh, I know yep. that there's another one that's south, and theirs sometimes get like, you know, upper teens. Uh, but then it's like settled by you know who has the most priority points and yeah. all that stuff. There, so they've like made it very technical. Uh, and sometimes I bend those rules because it's just like you know we played your game last week. Would you mind if we played somebody else's game? Uh, yeah, that's. So, yeah, like, I just want to make sure everybody gets something and that's cool. But it, it sounds like it's a very well run place. It's always fascinating to hear how they're they're so different. Yeah, yeah. So we, and we actually only just started our own like Discord server to help organize it because uh, usually, we, I mean, before we just had a WhatsApp, which was very nice and it's very easy to chat to everyone. But it soon got to the state where messages got lost so quickly that we ended up moving to Discord and that, that's been nice to see and everyone's got some threads and, and, and built in. But yeah, I think in some ways having a bigger group has become more difficult because you don't want anyone to feel left out. But at the same time, the more people you've got, the more likely that people aren't going to get left out playing the games because you can move people around a lot more. I think when yeah. you only have enough for a game or two, it becomes a lot more difficult to make sure that everyone's sort of stuff's played. So yeah. Yeah, and we find ourselves sometimes in the position where somebody's like, oh, I would love to get a four-player game here. But then it's like, well, well, then this person would only have like two players and they need at least three players. And like, it just, you know, there's always that tricky balance of like, ah, I'm sorry, like you're not going to be able to do that because of this. Uh, yeah. Hopefully our numbers start, like it's been growing more and more as, you know, we get further and further away as we feel like we're getting further and further away from COVID. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's sort of trying to like make the most of it. So everyone's getting sort of more comfortable or everyone's um, able to have their vaccinations and try and like integrate. You can feel a, a little bit more sort of stable in your spaces. And I, I think that that's, that's quite, that, that that's helping quite a lot, I think, because it's definitely grown a lot since I started. And I think that, it hadn't been back face to face for much longer before that because it was all, all online because of COVID. So yeah. it's been nice to see it sort of grow in person. Okay, I got to ask you this because I joined like right as COVID started and they had a Discord 
And I was so talkative because like that was my first exposure to like other designers. I felt like I was annoying people. Is that how you were when you like first started? Yeah, I so it was really hard. I sort of came in and at that point I was a relatively new, not just to the the design scene, but also sort of the board game community. I so I just I joined Twitter at a similar time. And so I came in with some people that I'd sort of seen up Twitter. And part of me sort of wants to sort of step back and take it in. And part of me was like, tell me all of your knowledge. What are your secrets? How did you get here? I, I please, please tell me everything. Because there's a, a lot of, so Scott Sotty published his own game and uh, James Naylor's a publisher of his own games as well. And there's just a lot of very good knowledge there. So I'm sort of just like sat like wide eyed, like looking at them as, as they impart all their stuff. So I'm definitely, and I'm, I'm very talkative by nature, if, if you haven't already sort of uh, <laughs> gleaned that for, from our chat. So I will talk anyone's ear off as long as they're, uh, you know, they catheterize towards me and I'm like, too late, we've made eye contact. You, you can uh, listen to me while I ask you questions. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's so it. It's again, that like kind of not that everybody, everyone's different, I guess. Now I shouldn't even generalize like that. Like, but we all like to talk, I think, to some extent. Uh <laughs> and hear people's knowledge and wisdom and yeah, designing. It's fun, oh, man. Now I, now I'm feeling that itch. Like, oh, I need to start designing, but I also need to edit. <sighs> yeah. Just do both at the same time, make a game about editing and then it'll be fine. <laughs> That's uh, I've thought about that before. Maybe that was even a ridiculous theme at one point. I don't remember. There's I'm almost a hundred episodes in. So who, yeah, I'm sure you could definitely do it. Like the, you get a little sort of, cards of like sound waves and there's like blips in like the audio and you have to like overlap them to try and make the edges line up without the i, I i'm not sure but there's definitely something yeah. something there i'm, I'm sure it's someone that gone like as i've edited so much i have gone to the point where i can recognize us and ums a lot of the times for mine like i can recognize mine different people's waveforms are a little bit different and so i almost visualize something like that of like us and ums where like you could listen, take your turn to listen to it. And that would be like flipping things over, or you could just remove something and try and like do it fast. And so you have to like edit this thing together to flow. All right. Maybe that would even be like a color thing. I don't know. That'd be, there's a lot of interesting things to explore there. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think you got it. Go on. You you go work it. And then when, you know, when it turns into a great game, you can credit me afterwards. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what uh, what do you like to do outside of board games? So um, I do a lot of baking. So people um, will follow me on Twitter and then they'll look me up on Instagram and they'll be like, this, this isn't games, this is just cakes. Why not? Who is this person? Is it the same person? But I got into baking a big time over uh, COVID because I wasn't going outside or, or seeing anyone. I was like, this seems like a good time to to work on this skill. Now just love it. I just do it all the time. And it was one of those skills that I think, well, a lot of skills, the more you do, the better you get. But I think when you start baking, if it goes wrong, there's always that sense of, oh, I just like wasted my time. I can't eat it. Now it goes in the bin. Whereas if you, if I bake something now, it doesn't quite go to plan. I know that I'm baking again really soon in the future and I, I haven't really lost it. Like I can sort of make brownies in like a lunch break at work if I'm working from home. So it's nice to be able to do it with that sort of regularity and everyone loves baked goods i, I feel oh, that yeah. if it if i go to a situation and i knew i'm like here look biscuits and everyone's like oh yeah sure come come sit down so i i'd like to do that a lot um which I, is really nice okay for my uh 
to just remind me here, biscuits are kind of like cookies for like American <laughs> to British translation, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. So very, like, very similar. Like they're made slightly different, but they're the same realm of of sort of snack. Okay, are biscuits what you dip in tea? Yes, yeah. Okay, you, biscuits dip in tea. They're a bit like crumblier. Like cookies are usually like chewy and sort of like have that like signature like cracked top whereas biscuits are usually like flat and like crisp and like a little bit like plainer like you'd rarely have like a chocolate chip biscuit because oh, okay. it sort of breaks it all up so yeah. there's usually sort of like a light a light snack for uh, this is where i get slammed from all the british people in a with the, listen to the podcast after but i associate biscuits more of a, of a light snack and cookies a bit more indulgent what do they consider wait what <laughs> what's well, like there's a huge range, a huge range of biscuits. And as soon as, if you ever ask a British person what the same favorite biscuit is, they'll go off on one for for hours on end, including myself, because there's like biscuits that have like different fillings, and there's 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 all sorts of what's the best biscuit for tea. So, I um I don't want to live into my own stereotype, but it's, uh, <laughs> it happens happens quite a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I like. I want to ask. Don't do you have like a quick answer for that? Because I do want to ask. Oh well, I mean, my favorite biscuit of all time is a chocolate hobnob, which so is basically like um, like an oat biscuit um, with some chocolate on one side, and it's sort of like it's almost a bit gingery, but but not quite. But it's very like sturdy, so it's a good dunking biscuit because it's made of oats, so you can dunk it and it doesn't um, doesn't break away very easily. Um, but everyone, everyone will always have have a favorite biscuit, and there's definitely ones that are bad answers. So, like a rich tea biscuit, even though it's got tea in the name, is a terrible dunking biscuit because if you dunk it, it just you pull it out and half of it's fallen in, in your tea. So, okay, it's, uh, so a hot debate. Uh, if you if you go looking up, you'll go down a big a big wormhole. I'm one of these days. I'm going to make it over to the UK, and I'm going to have to have like a biscuit uh assistant while i'm there to be like no 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 don't get no 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 don't do that one <laughs> yeah just like uh here you go. go go take this i mean as long as you're not having sort of like american biscuits and gravy then i, I think you'll be doing okay yeah yeah <laughs> well forever right as an american you think that like you take this biscuit and you dip it in tea like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense uh like i feel like it's even these last few years that i learned more and more about it which is just weird uh do you okay well i'm sorry we'll move on after this but i have to ask this because i've never asked this before i don't think at least not that i remembered but do you drink the tea after yeah i mean so i actually prefer coffee to tea but you can dunk biscuits and coffee it, it, it's, it's not okay. the same but yeah you which is also why it's really important to pick the right biscuit because if you pick one that disintegrates you have this like sort of biscuit gunk at the bottom so that's why you need one that won't break up because then it, it's all fine but yeah it's a sort of sweetens the the drinks so you have a chocolate coated biscuit and you dunk it in the in the coffee and then the coffee becomes a bit chocolatey and you know it's 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 a science okay all right all right thank you thanks for uh educating <laughs> me there <laughs> i yeah totally get it because I, I like kind of cookies and milk here right well i, I yeah, assume you yeah. all do cookies and milk as well right that's that's a, that's gotta um, be global no no not not really not in the same <laughs> way like, I mean, we know cookies and milk because it's it's very American and a lot of sort of American isms come over, but we don't really have cookies and milk in the in, in the same way over here. What? Uh, I mean, I also yeah, yeah, which which blows my mind. 
Uh, okay. All right. Uh, sorry. Sidetrack. Uh, baking. What, other, what else you got? <laughs> what other hobbies? <laughs> so the, the rest of my hobbies are less exciting. They're all like game adjacent. So I play a lot of video games. Um, I play a lot of D&D. Um, I've been sort of running a, a D&D game for about sort of four, four or five years now. Um, so like a single campaign, which is, I, I thought when I started running it, I'd be like, oh yeah, it'd be like two years, go finish a campaign. And then five years later, and it's like, yeah, it'll be probably at least another two years, guys. I, I don't think we're, uh, <laughs> we're getting there anytime soon. But that That's really fun. Pausing, because I want to, I'm going to ask follow-up questions here. First, video games. What video games are you playing? Oh, so what am I playing? Um, at the moment, I just finished Elden Ring. I love a lot of the, the FromSoft games. I put them off for ages and ages because I just didn't know if I had like the the skill or you know desire to to die that many times playing a game. But my friend sort of forced me to play play Bloodborne, and I hated it up until like I just finished it, and then I was like, I understand why why these games work now. So then I ended up basically playing the rest of them back to back, and so I, I play a lot of those, but a lot of platform games like. Um, the Breath of the Wild from Legend of Zelda is probably my my favorite video game of all time. I can just sit and get lost in that world and, and go explore. So very big, like expansive video games is my jam. I like to sit down, have my own time and just sort of get lost. Now your D&D campaign. So you're the DM? Yeah, so um, I actually have two. So uh, one of the players uh, in my campaign also runs their own game. And we sort of alternate uh, between the two of us, uh, who's sort of running and who's playing. And there's, there's two different uh, stories going on. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been running my own game for, for about five years now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, maybe I misunderstood. Do you like alternate the story completely? Like, so it'll be like two different sets or is it? Yeah, is it yeah two, two, two completely groups? different worlds. Yeah, so okay. there's there's some crossover. So a couple of the people uh, in my game are also in uh, my friend's game. And there's some that are only in one and some that are only in the other. But yeah, two two different worlds, two different stories. Uh, it's mainly just to allow me and, and the other DM sort of uh, mental space to be able to write the, the next bit as we catch up with all the um, sort of shenanigans that goes on in the session. Yeah. And you said about five years, and this is all one campaign. Yeah, yeah. So we we started off at level one, and I think we're at sort of level sixteen now. So we're we're getting into the home stretch, but it's um it's it's been a been a long time, and it's the first time I really DM'd anything. So it's been a a little bit of uh sort of throwing myself in the deep end, but you, you grow into it quickly. Okay, cool. That's really cool. I understand that. I'm you know I I've started an actual place so that I could have an excuse to keep playing and we're a year in and I feel like, oh boy, we have, we've barely scratched the surface of this story I wrote. But did you start off with like writing? Like, are you still on the big story that you originally planned on? Or was the beginning just kind of like, let's just kind of go? Yeah, so so a a little bit of both. So it's set in uh, the world of of Critical Role. So so earlier we're talking about Geek and Sundry and, and Tabletop, that sort of then moved over into watching Critical Role, and that's how I really got into to D&D. And so when I started running it, I was like, oh, I'll set it in this world because I was already familiar with it and can riff off it uh, quite easily. And I had like a overall story in mind, but I've sort of broken it down into like discrete like bits. So 
there's like lots of like smaller arcs that then change a lot more that are based on what the the characters are doing and what sort of where they are in the world and sort of as we've been getting further and further on I sort of had to like narrow that down to try and make sure we actually get towards an end point but it's it's sort of like honed over the years because we've had um, a couple of players change because people have moved out of London and people have run out of time and things and so we've also had to update with them and also players will never do what you want them to do like I'll whenever I like write stories I like think of like four plausible outcomes that I think might come out of it and they'll always choose the fifth one that you haven't thought of so which I love I I think it's one of the best things is this sort of like improv creative storytelling and but to you know keep up with it I always feel I'm like do you know do you have Wallace and Gromit in the states do you yeah do you know that that scene where like Gromit is like laying out tracks like right in front of them as the train's going on like that's exactly how I feel whenever I run D&D sessions and uh, I mean I wouldn't wouldn't change the world but it's times are a little stressful yeah I I love doing it I think it's so entertaining and it's exactly what you said like I remember having a plan for an episode or like I call them episodes since we record them of course and and like I had numerous ways to get them to the objective and what they were going to do that week and all this stuff and within like five minutes they had already like gone off the rails and we're talking about like kidnapping somebody or like luring somebody out and just I I was like okay I did I never ever prepared for this so I did not think you guys would kidnap somebody here we go uh I let's let's roll with this and that was like my first experience where it was just like yeah that normally they might do like little things I don't expect which don't impact the story at all but then all of a sudden it's like oh, okay, and now we're improvising an entire session for the next, like, hour and a half. Cool. It's fun. It's uh, so fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, I think that's like, just captures the, like, the spirit of it, like, so well. Uh, so, yeah, so a, a year in, are you sort of ex- where you expected to be when, when you started, or are you, uh, is it completely sort of different now? Yeah, like, I have my big story plan, and I actually put it off, and we just, like, the couple days before we started, I was like, all right, I'm going to make this side mission the start and that way we can like explore the characters and before we get into the big thing and so then that ended up taking longer like I thought it might be like a three four episode thing it took like seven episodes and then they had said some things that inspired some things I was like well let's keep doing that and then it was finally like episode like 15 or 16 we we did like the original episode one and then we did like a crossover thing and we've done flashbacks to like explore their you know origins and We've done, uh, what was, oh yeah, the most recent thing was like a train arc, which was originally just like, they just got a a quest to be like, hey, go up to the town north, take the train there. And I was just had a little mini like two episode thing planned for the transition. And then that turned into like seven episodes because they like wanted to do drinking games and play Never Have I Ever. And so like in character, they were playing Never Have I Ever and that was like so fun to like explore the characters in character while they're like with each other playing this yeah. drinking game, you know, like a getting to know you game, getting drunker and and then just building off of that, like things that they say, of course, adding like we are so, we are so like not into the story at all yet. Like <laughs> we've completed the first arc of like seven that I have yeah. planned, but there's been like four other arcs that have gone on. It's it's fun. It's like, sorry, I can ramble about that all day. This, oh, yeah, <laughs> do it. I, and like, 
that that's sort of like it's always the way like you this is how your one year campaign stretches to seven when you're like oh yes the the first arc is just about completed because <laughs> all we've done is talking about I don't know throwing a rock for 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 an hour and a half which is which is amazing yeah um, like I think I think we we had one where I set that's in like this like casino uh, town. And all they want to do is like, what other casino games are here? And so I'm here like on the fly making sort of random dice games and hoping that sort of you know, the probabilities are all fine before they like make millions of pounds sort of betting <laughs> against the house that I haven't completely balanced. But it's uh, it, it's great. It's good just to get like lost, lost in that world for a bit. Yeah, I love hearing that because, you know, like making up games, you know, we made up the drinking game, which had no stakes, you know, like they just were getting drunker other moments like that where it's just like i have to improvise how are they going to play basketball or you know like <laughs> cool let's come up with this like i those moments are like i love i i love playing board games and stuff it's easy because you have the rules you just have to learn them you teach them you have this like world you're confined to which is so beautiful and like fun and interesting uh but it's also fun to just be able to like go and no limits oh completely like like board games and video games and rpgs all take up some like distinctive like parts of why i love playing games like board games are very like social and like discreet and you can sort of just play it and and leave and and it's all good like video games i can just get lost in for hours and it's very sort of me time me time very therapeutic and rpgs are just very fun and social and just you just get like so a mixture of the both, you get like lost in the world whilst also sort of being very social and, and playing with people. And it was great because over the pandemic, it was one of the few things that I managed to keep up because we could all play it online. And actually it worked online so much better than we thought it was going to before uh, the pandemic happened. So it was it was very helpful for me to have that hobby over the pandemic because it was sort of two years of being in my house all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, sorry, the sidetrack there. Actually, I really want to hear like your story that's going on in your D and D world. Yeah, so, so we, we can, we can, depending on on how much time we have, I can definitely come to that at the at the end. Okay, all right. Well, well maybe after the show too, we we'll talk about. Yeah. It. Uh, all right. So, yeah, did you have any other hobbies you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I mean. They're the main ones that I I do now and so I do currently. I mean, back at university, I did a lot of um, like Latin and ballroom dancing, like dancing with the star style stuff and sort of fell into that when I sort of went to uni and then essentially got hooked and did more dancing than I did maths. Ended up sort of like competing and went to like Blackpool and all that. And so so that, that sort of is a very special place in my heart. And a lot of the friends that I have now are all dancers that I had uh, at uni and so that's sort of I like to keep it up now and again but it's a lot more a lot more social because finding space in London is impossible because or I should say finding space cheaply in London is, is impossible we mainly do it now when we're sort of at weddings and at parties or, or we'll get together for people's birthdays and sort of rent a big hall and stuff which which, which is really nice that's really cool that's fascinating did you like so did you do it completely competitively and stuff like that like yeah that, yeah, right? yeah. Is so, that what you were saying okay yeah so there's like um there's like a university circuit um so it, it's it was surprisingly popular uh in the university circuit like when i picked it up i didn't really think i'd be doing it much competitively but because it's an activity that a lot of people start at university people 
are all sort of a very level playing field. Like people haven't been learning to do this since they were like four, like in football or, or hockey or stuff like that. So everyone comes in like very equal and it's very nice to see everyone progress uh, quickly and, and you can get you, you can get good sort of quite quickly, but it really relies on you and your partner sort of one putting in the effort and two just being able to to understand each other and other well. Um, you lose a lot of uh, personal space because obviously you're in each other's sort of bodies all the time. So a lot of dancers have very little uh, objection from getting very close to you or sort of touching you. So you have to be like, no, no, we're in the real world now. You can't just sort of be right behind me. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you do like uh, for work? What's your career? If you um, don't mind, so if I, you don't want to ask you. No. Ask you. Okay, okay. I mean, it's, it's not very exciting, so I won't talk about it for very long. But um, so I work at the the Bank of England. So a bit like the, the Fed, but but in the UK, working sort of like regulation, essentially. So uh, making sure that uh, sort of insurance companies are holding enough money to pay out all the people that have, have policies for them. So, you know, not, not particularly uh, sort of world rocking to discuss, but I feel if I'm in that world of finance i'm sort of in the right side of it which always made me feel a, a little bit better about um going into that uh, yeah. genre of work yeah you're you know it's like oh, okay yeah 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 but then you're like uh making sure that insurance companies are covered you know like that they yeah. can actually help people which is supposed to be their purpose was, uh, yeah exactly yeah. and like like over like covid and obviously it affects a lot of people's health so making sure that you know everyone's sort of getting supported and stuff so I, I felt that um it was good to make sure that everyone was protected yeah that's cool that's a that's an interesting thing that i never really thought about so <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah there you go I, I mean i think that's that's probably enough enough work i, I start speaking to someone and like i start talking about it you can just sort of see their eyes glaze over as they're like okay cool that's that's fine. But I mean, I came out of uni with, with a math degree and was like, what can I do with this now? <laughs> like, I, I spent four years on it and I'm like, I'm sort of don't quite know what practical skills this has given me. Obviously, playing role playing games and uh, balancing board games. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's it. I just come out, make some nice sort of math system board games and, and it's all good. Yeah, exactly. I'm always blown away. Like I'm, I'm just a dummy. Like I, <laughs> I am not that smart. Okay, uh, and that's not like an insult to me. That's just like a fact. I, I live in that reality. Uh, but like when I sit down and I talk to some designers and they start talking about the balancing, or when I'm in some of those meetings or like hearing, listening to interviews of people and they're talking about like this equation and that equation and this like there's like those technical names for them and how they mapped out how to balance this and that. I'm just like wow, like I, uh, like I can do simple addition and <laughs> like, I've got the basics down, but wow, do you like know your systems and stuff? And I think that's all so fascinating. And I wish I, I'm, you know, like I wish I could invest more time in, in learning all of that, but I probably could, yeah. I'm just lazy. <laughs> and I think, but I think a lot of it, and this is probably going to sound worse and better, but like a lot of it just sort of becomes like intuitive. So I think the, more like mathematical your brain is the more you can sort of make a good first pass which i think is like, like a lot of things in design if you can just get something down it's then so much easier to tweak it than it is to get it right from the beginning i, I think that even i 
if I was sort of making a card game that required a lot of balance and statistics, I think I'd sort of make just a, like a good back of the envelope pass and then it's sort of iterating it. I, th I think that'll get there. But yeah, I'm so impressed where people are like, look at all the working behind my game. Here is this spreadsheet. Even I'm like, this is this is this is next level stuff. I'll, I'll keep here putting my shapes in, in my garden and time. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, that requires a certain amount of like thinking too. And it's probably some of that's a lot of like a background thinking of like, well, how do I balance that? You know, like yeah, there's so yeah. much and work it's, that it's, goes into it. Yeah. And it's the, the most difficult is making it not feel like maths. That, that's the main thing. If you're there and as, as a player, you're like, okay, I've got this card and I'm adding it up and I have to multiply it by three to get my house. Right. You're like, Oh, it's, um, there's all a lot, but, Having said that, uh, Naylor Games is producing a, a card game called uh, 21X, which is like um, blackjack, uh, essentially. But all the cards have little like maths equations and like algebra on them. So not only do you have to get 21, but you have to get it and also figure out like what X you can put in to make the 21, which I I love it because I'm from that, but that even that blows my mind. I'm just there staring at these cards, like surely there's a way that I can make 21, which is which is very interesting, but very obviously uh, mathematical, and it, it it works for them. So yeah, you know, maybe maybe don't hide your maths. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm chatting, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just chatting rubbish. No, no, I mean that it's right. Some people are gonna love, uh, you know. I'm looking at your shelf behind you, Clank. And other people aren't, you know, yeah. like some people love Root and other people hate it, you know, like because Root is definitely like a heavier game. I, I haven't played yeah. it yet, but I want to. It's just that different taste. Some people really want that puzzle as in love. I do. I actually really love numbers and I love puz number puzzles and stuff. So that 21X actually sounds like very fascinating to me as long yeah. as it doesn't get like overly complex. Like if I have to do like advanced equations, I think then I would probably struggle. But yeah, I, I think that they're having like levels of deck. So you can essentially like decide how difficult you want to want to make it for yourself, which which is definitely necessary. As soon yeah. as like simultaneous equations start coming into it, then, you know, it's, it's probably getting a lot for, uh, for, yeah. for some people. I like every time even parentheses come up in like a math equation, I always have to like go Google and be like, OK, do I do the <laughs> parentheses first or last? Do I do it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's cool. That's really neat. Um. <laughs> let's go to ridiculous theme okay well i i mean i'm not even sure if it's that ridiculous but a theme that i always thought was silly that i wanted to was around slacking off at work and you know if anyone's listening from from the bank this isn't uh you know a fictional fictional scenario <laughs> where essentially you're people in an office trying to get away with doing as like little work as possible so you're like walking around the floor and like, oh, I'll just spend some time in the kitchen or I'll pretend I'm photocopying something or I'll go to the bathroom for a really long time. And you want to try and yeah, get through your work day and not be fired for doing so little, but also not actually do your work very much because you don't enjoy it. I, I think that is both ridiculous and I actually would quite like to do that. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love that idea. <laughs> so there's so many different ways you could like tackle that of. Yeah. I'm like, like, do you want to like push your luck? Like if someone like sees you too much or like, do you want to go through sort of like a, like a deception route and you're like, oh, am I actually using it? And you can have like little cards or something. I, 
I'm not sure. I, I think there, there are a, a few ways. I'll, I'll have to start like bouncing around some ideas. Yeah, you could do like BS or uh, what's I think it's called BS, right? Like, isn't there a game where you, you're like bluffing something and if somebody calls your bluff and they're wrong, then they like lose points or whatever. Yeah. But something like that of like reputation, right? Like if they call you out and they're right, then you lose reputation. If they're wrong, they lose the reputation. And now they're not looking so good to the big boss. You know, they're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah. A little sabotage. Yeah, see, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. It's like one of those games, you just don't need to be the worst person. And <laughs> then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine interrupt cards like, uh, you know, there's the classic uh, old movie TV show thing of where they're like showing the screen at somebody's at their office, right? And they're playing like, a computer game and then somebody comes over and they like alt tab over to the to their work and they're just working on their work you know like so you could have cards to be like nope oh yeah see quick i'm uh <laughs> yeah yeah I'm definitely oh you can like maybe there's like a like a floor plan and you have to like sit in like the best place in the floor so like least amount of people can see what's on your screen or something yeah traffic like you don't want to be too close to the bathroom because then that's that's traffic right there if you're right by there yeah, yeah, exactly. But then you can catch people out, so maybe it's good for those purposes. So, uh, oh, I like uh, it. I, you know what? I, I, I think, I think we got something. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't know why. I'm just now. I'm thinking of mine. Uh, I haven't thought at all. But earlier you were talking about polyominoes, and that—that's a word that board gamers know. And yep. I think of so many times when I'm teaching uh, rules, and I'm like okay, you can move orthogonally, but not diagonally. And people are like, orthogonal? What? <laughs> like, like, it's, it's such a board game phrase. Like, if you until you read a rule book, you're never going to come across this, this, this word before. Yeah, exactly. And so I think of doing something either where, like, you are just implementing all of the weird board game uh, terminology, or you have weird words that mean nothing nonsense words and then associating with them with another thing and you have to like give directions to somebody and they need to be able to complete the task based on you being like well you need to go flubber flaff and uh and then if you gringle pop then you get to score a point you know like it's so you have to like sort of puzzle your way through uh like describing how to even play the game that's that's part yeah. of the game. i don't know i like it it's, it's sort of like um like deduction-esque but you're sort of building up your own rules as you're going along i i, I think that's pretty cool like i've been playing um decorum recently Have you played decorum i haven't yet so so that you're um also in a house and you're, you're decorating a house and you each have things that you really want so like I might only want red walls and I might only want to have lamps upstairs or something. And you'll, you'll have your own set of rules and you're moving the, the furniture and stuff around trying to figure out how both of you can get your, your stuff uh, in the house, but you don't know what's on each other's cards. So you have to try and go and figure it out. I, I love that sort of type of deduction puzzle. And I, I think you could bring that in here. Like, like you have like things you need to do, but you can't like say any of the words on the card. You have to try and figure out how to get there through all these like nonsense like words that you're just making up as part of this game. I, I I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, that's, as you say that, right? Like of like, maybe that's the rule, you like draw a rule card and then you have draw like an association card, word yeah. association card with it that like you have to use when describing that, but you can't describe the actual rule. I don't know, like that's fascinating. There's so much to explore there. Or board games, man. <laughs> They're fascinating. Like, oh. 
where yeah. else can you do that type of thing yeah so, exactly yeah. and like i love i love sort of ideas i have like a huge thing on my phone that's just like full of these sort of random thoughts that like come to me it's like oh maybe you can make a game about this and you're just like wait i probably could <laughs> and you just like yeah. grabbing all this stuff and putting it together it, it, it's really cool it's actually so like liberating as like a creative outset that you can't quite get in, in some other mediums it, it, it really is cool I always dreamed about like if the audience got big enough here that the like somebody would be or even just having like that one dedicated person who hears something and be like, oh, my gosh, they just described, you know, like slacking off as a game. Uh, and like if we both are like, oh, you know, I'm not really ever going to design that, of course, you know, like it sounds like a fun idea. Somebody else designed that and then they actually do it and they're like. Yeah, this this was inspired by that's it a conversation on the board game community show. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, be amazing. Or like, or like pretty much anything. Like unless it's of you know right at the very end. If so many times that like, you have an idea and someone's like, oh, but what if they steal it? And I'm like, if you can take this idea and turn it into a great game, that is amazing. Please do that. Make that game because I want to play it, and it will save me a lot of work in the meantime. So it, it's like I don't my I love that's another thing that I love about it is that there's so much sharing because. The ideas are sort of the easiest bit, right? Like it's not like some of the mediums where you sort of have to protect them because it's then turning that into a system that makes sense is, is a difficult bit and that's so unique to everyone. And you can give two people the same idea and they'll make very different games out of it. So it's yeah, I, I don't think you get it in, in the same way, and I, I think that's really cool. I mean, that kind of brings up. I I know I've had this conversation before, but it's always fun to like reiterate it. Of when you very first started designing. Did you feel very protective of like, right, yeah, right, yeah, like yeah. overly protective? Like, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to board games. And you go in, you, you take down your first prototype and you share everyone and you're just like, look what I've got. It's going to blow your mind. And then you play it. And then after five <laughs> minutes, you're like, this game is broken. Like we've not played, we've not played one round and it's half an hour. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how this got to this position. Yeah. But yeah. And then it was, as soon as that, you're just like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll go do it. But yeah, I, I was... I was very protective at the beginning until you realize, I think playing lots of other people's games and you realize how little you really want to take them further because in your mind, you've got so many other better ideas to work on because everyone thinks they're the best at design. <laughs> so they, they can go in and take it forward. I don't actually think I'm the best at design for the record, but you know, you, you always <laughs> like to think that your ideas will, will turn into something. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? Like, if I were to try and design a feng shui game, I would design it very differently and probably a lot more ignorantly. Like, you know, I would, if they would be all based on my one sister's discussions, like where she talks to me about them and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and a lot of it, you know, passes over me. Oh, completely. Uh, like I made sure I had to do like a ton of research into it. One, to make sure I wasn't being insensitive, but two, because yeah. I, it's fascinating actually. Like the amount, like it's so much like deeper and there's so many parts of it. And actually, when I started, I wanted to incorporate all of it. And then you very quickly realize you can't. But yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, um, you know, sort of like appropriating anything or that it was coming into sort of Western culture and making sure that I was sort of doing a, a love letter to the system. So it was very important to me to actually learn about it properly and learn like the intentions behind it. Yeah, that's beautiful. See, and that's like you're going in with the right intention and and making sure it's, it's done properly. Because there's definitely wrong ways to do some things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want to go and <laughs> We've seen it. butcher it and stick on a theme and say that it's all fine. Like, oh, actually, you're not, you, you haven't quite thought about it. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to do Great Western Trail Second Edition <laughs> and a new Puerto Rico. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be like, sorry. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, completely. 
but and for the better they're, they're both better for it yes yeah oh absolutely well thank you so much is there anything else you want to talk about before we close out no not particularly i mean uh come check me out i'm, I'm on twitter uh matt hother but that's about it really i will talk about games and baking or apparently D and tea and biscuits for hours on end so please <laughs> send me a message and i'm more than happy to to chat about anything and do you, is it the same name on Instagram if they want to check out your baking? Uh, confusingly, on uh, Instagram, I'm Hoda M, uh, but my Twitter links to my Instagram and vice versa. So if you find me on one of them, uh, you should be able to find me on the other. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, chatting with me for an hour. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And then for everybody else, you can follow me at RyleNert, or not for everybody else, uh, like for me, I guess for my part of this, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm at Riles Nerd on Twitter and most social medias, but Twitter's where I'm most active. And uh, yeah, like I've got the Friend Info Adventure Co., an actual play podcast based on the Bunkers and Badasses role playing game that's set in the Borderlands universe, the fantasy Borderlands. Yeah, anyway, uh, but it's immaturely mature. So if it's not your cup of tea, don't worry about it and don't dunk your biscuits in it. <laughs> <laughs> when this comes out, I should be on cardboard time either the next week's cardboard time or last week's cardboard time episode. So go check that out. It was really, really fun talking to Arwen. Uh, she was on my show and I got to be on her show. And that, and that was awesome. Like, yeah. So I definitely rambled a lot there. I think I mentioned this last week too. I'm starting new ADHD medicine. So thank you everybody for your patience <laughs> while I figure out medication and uh, what is working and not working. So apologies if I'm more rambly or more spacey. I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. It's one of those things where like uh, I saw some a cartoon. See, I'm already rambling on this. Uh, but they said like, I don't know if I need to be taking more Adderall or less Adderall. And I, that's like exactly how I feel where I'm like, I don't know. Like I feel something, but it's, I need to figure out which way to go. <laughs> uh, well, for me, it's coming across great. It definitely put me at ease before, uh, before I started. And it, it's been very, very easy chatting. So I, I, I think you're fine. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Uh, until next time, keep nerding out. Uh, so my fun memory is uh, a few years ago, we went to like an Airbnb, which was like an old converted church. And there's like a big group of us. And we went and we essentially just played games like One Night Ultimate Werewolf and like Avalon and all these social deduction games in this really eerie setting and just had like a really so like nice, like thematic time playing some board games. And uh yeah it was it, it was so nice and i'd uh i'd recommend it to, to anyone to really get yourself uh, in the zone for those things whoa that was really cool like <laughs> yeah that's the thing about like the uk is you have those locations here we don't have those types of like old abandoned churches right yeah oh i like there's there's tons like we had one we've had one in like um a converted windmill or you had one in like a converted church and, and like another one and there's just it's so cool just to go and uh, and sort of wander around and they're pretty much solely used for this type of stuff. I mean, the converted church was very odd. We arrived there in the middle of the night, driving down this like dirt road, this church. And I was like, oh my God, if I get murdered, no one is going to know. But it was, it was, it was really good. It was, it was very thematic. Like, and it was, we just played like hide and seek like we were kids because it was so like in, interconnecting like passageways. Someone managed to like get lost underneath all the kitchen cupboards. And oh yeah, it's, it, it's really good. It's really fun just to explore that. 